so. Second Samuel 10 in your Bibles, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to look at the first four verses. This is an interesting story uh, here out of Second Samuel. And so uh, I, I believe there's some truths here that uh, will help us and encourage us this evening. The Bible says, And it came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died, and Hanun his son reigned in his stead. Uh, then said David, I will show kindness unto Hanun, the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness unto me. And David sent to comfort him by the hand of his servants for his father. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon, and the princes of the children of Ammon said unto Hanun their lord, Thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father, that he hath sent comforters unto thee? Hath not David rather sent his servants unto thee to search the city and to spy it out and to overthrow it? Wherefore Hanun took David's servants and shaved off the one half of their beards and cut off their garments in the middle even to their buttocks and sent them away. Wow! What in the world? Here David is trying to be a comfort and be kind uh, to Hanun. Uh, the incoming king in Ammon, and instead his servants are treated with uh, just uh, in a way that's just horrible. So the title of the message this evening is this, When Kindness is Met with Contempt. David's kindness was met with great contempt. And uh, listen, we're just getting started in this passage. It's going to continue to spiral downhill for a little while before it gets better. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Every scenario, seemingly, that we can find ourselves in relationally, there's a story in the Bible to match it that instructs us on either what to do or not to do. And Lord, uh, tonight we see a very specific instance. But Lord, I believe this type of instance plays out in our lives on a regular basis. So Lord, help us tonight to learn how to grow in our relationships, how to better love others, even when they're not very lovable. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, have you ever done something nice for someone only to have it be totally misunderstood? I talked about this morning when someone comes to you and says, hey, that was quite rude. And you say, well, I didn't mean to be rude. Well, it was rude. All right. Uh, you ever done something nice and it just have it totally, totally misunderstood? Sometimes people can become so skeptical that they lose their ability to see the goodwill of their fellow man, right? Someone hands you, or you hand someone a $20 bill, and they look at you like, what did you, why are you, what do you want from me, right? Uh, you can't just be giving me $20 to give me $20. And um, so uh, sometimes people are filled with anger and bitterness, and this poison causes them to be conspiratorial toward others. And um, it is human nature to superimpose our own character on others and assume that they have the character that we have. Uh, are you trustworthy? Are you trustworthy? Do you try your best uh, to be someone who can be counted on? Then you may assume others are trusting uh, to your own hurt. You ever have that, made that mistake? Well, they'll handle me. And, and no, they just take advantage of you because you assume that they have your character and they don't quite meet that level. Uh, do you look to take advantage of people? 
If you're here on a Sunday night, I hope you don't try to take advantage of people. But there are people out there that way. If you are the type that's looking constantly to get a leg up on people and uh, get an angle up on people, then you may assume others are looking to take advantage of you. Uh, Do you give things to people out of a heart of goodwill and kindness expecting nothing in return, right? You do something kind for someone and you're not going, well, I wonder when they're going to do it back for me, right? We took them out to eat six months ago and they haven't invited us out to eat. You know, what's up with that? Or we took them to Longhorn and they just took us out to McDonald's. I mean, can you believe uh, we did this, and they did this. I mean, that's, right? And we, we, are, we are constantly looking for an angle. We're looking to uh, uh, do something uh, uh, to, to get, get a leg up on people. And my friend, if that's how you are, uh, then th- you're going to assume that other people are doing the same thing for you. Now, maybe you are good-willed, uh, but you have been taken advantage of by people. We've all had this happen, right? You, you do good, you do good, you do good, and you still continue to do good. But because you've been hurt either by somebody one time really bad or you've had enough people in this world take advantage of you, you become skeptical and untrusting of others, even to a point where it becomes unhealthy. Now, if this is you, then quickly you can end up returning people's kindness with contempt. And that's a problem. You will allow mistakes other people have made against you to be taken out on innocent bystanders, or even worse, people who are actually in the act of trying to love you. Now, I know that this happens because as a pastor, I get my hand bit sometimes. I'm reaching out trying to help people. I'm genuinely trying to be good to someone. I have, I'm not looking to get anything out of it other than to just genuinely care for people. And I get my hand bitten sometimes. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You do good for others and they're so wounded uh, that they end up attacking you because of a hurt in their past. And uh, this is what happened to David. As we will see in our text, David was extending genuine kindness to Hanun by sending a team of comforters of his own servants to encourage uh, the people of Ammon. This was meant to be a kind gesture, but instead all David got back was contempt. This would lead to war between the two countries. Have you, have you been there? You did something uh, to be kind. It was misunderstood. You received a nasty and rude response. Then one thing led to another, and then it turns into a nasty feud. And you think to yourself, how in the world did we get here? I started out by extending an olive branch of kindness, and now we're fighting with each other. God has a plan for everything. God has a plan For everything. So even when people are unkind to you and uh, there are injustices that come your way and you're misunderstood and things are misinterpreted and you're misquoted, God has a plan. Uh, This injustice to David and his men could have derailed David, but instead it caused him to learn a whole lot about the men in his army and the mighty hand of God. In the end, God would prosper David even more as a result of the injustices. Now, if you haven't heard anything I've said yet this evening, listen to what I'm about to say to you. Some of you right now are dealing with an injustice. Someone is mistreating you. 
Someone has mishandled you. Maybe it's a boss at work who is not being kind to you. Uh, Maybe it's a teacher at school. Uh, Maybe it's even a leader in this church. You feel like in some way uh, you're being cheated or wronged by someone above you. And I'm going to just tell you this right now. In the end, if you stay faithful to the Lord and the principles of Scripture, God will make sure you come out ahead. God will make sure in the end that you win. You can't follow your flesh. You can't do what the flesh wants. You have to continue to walk the right way. This chapter, Second uh, 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 Samuel 10, is a, is a blueprint for how Christians ought to respond when they're mistreated, especially when we're doing our very best to be kind. So I propose that even when people reject your kindness, you should continue to have a kind and tender heart. The world is filled with people who are nasty. Don't you become nasty. The world is filled with people who are overly cynical. Don't you become cynical. The world is filled with people who second-guess everyone's motives on a regular basis. Don't you second-guess everyone's motives. Learn to show kindness even when others have walked all over you. Learn to maintain a tender heart toward your fellow man. And I'm going to tell you right now, you have enough people take advantage of you, it's really easy to put a wall up and say that I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to continue to give you uh, love. In fact, I'm not even going to continue to love anybody uh, up close because I've been hurt by enough people in the past that I'm no longer going to even give people a chance. So that's a bad way to live. That's a terrible way to live. And listen, uh, 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 sometimes God calls Christians to be a doormat. He does. Right? You say, God really expects to let people walk all over me. Uh, didn't the, the Pharisees walk all over Jesus? Okay? Isn't he who we're supposed to follow? I know I'm not saying something popular right now. All right? I'm not saying that uh, you let people kill you necessarily and you just stand there and take it. We'll get into that more in just a moment. But God sometimes does ask us to be doormats. He asks us to endure persecution, even from other Christians. Because in the end, when we follow God's model, we come out ahead. One more thought we'll see developed as we get into the text. Being kind to others does not mean that you allow others to do your do you physical bodily harm. You have every right. Listen up. You have every right to self-defense. And we will see how that David and his men had enough backbone and fighting them to stand against the enemies that would attack them. So we, we're going to look at three thoughts out of Second Samuel 10. You should have received a half sheet on your way in the door this evening. Get those out. Get those ready. Each point has an A and a B. So three, three points, A and a B below each point. Let's hop in as we look at this title, When Kindness is Met with Contempt. Number one, notice David's kindness rejected. David's kindness Rejected. We see letter A, David's empathy, his empathy. Look at verse 1 and 2 of the chapter again. The Bible says, And it came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died, and Hanun his son reigned instead. Then said David, I will show kindness unto Hanun the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness unto me. And David sent to comfort him by the hand of his servants, for his father and David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon. Now, real quick here, Ammon and Midian are the uh, children uh, that were born out of the incest of Lot and his daughters. And so the Ammonites are related to the Israelites, separate countries, but relative of uh, Abraham's, again, nephew Lot. Uh, These were his children and descendants of Lot. And so uh, you may remember uh, that, uh, uh, or rather, you may wonder uh, when David developed a friendship with Nahash, 
the king of Ammonites. I read this chapter, and again, I've been studying the life of David in great depth uh, for uh, the, the uh, series on Sunday evenings this year. And I read that, and I thought, when did David, when does the Bible say that David had a relationship with Nahash or Ammon? And it's not in the Bible. It's just not there. Uh, so the speculation is that when David was in hiding from uh, Saul, that he developed a network outside of the country, and, Am- uh, and uh, Nahash, the king of Ammon at the time, must have developed some sort of cordial relationship and showed some kindness to David as he was on the run from Saul. The old international policy, uh, uh, the international uh, foreign affair policy of many countries is that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And uh, David was enemy to Saul, and Ammon was enemy to Saul. And so David and um, and the Ammonites may have become friends during this time. And so uh, you may uh, remember out of Exodus uh, that there was a Pharaoh in Egypt that knew not Joseph. And how how did that turn out? You remember, Joseph landed there. He was loved by uh, the Pharaoh at the time. Joseph passed. Uh, His family's all moved there. Pharaoh, what does he do? He turns on the Israelites. Well, the son of, 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 of uh, the king here who's passed, the son of Nahash, uh, Hanun, decides, you know what, I don't like David and I don't like the Israelites. Turn over to Luke chapter 6 in your Bibles. Luke chapter 6. Hanun did not know David and did not care about the kindness or empathy that David was showing him. He did not care about the relationship David had with his father. Just flat out didn't care. Scripture is quite clear that Christians are called to love everyone, and this includes our enemies. We're included to love our enemies. Now, look at Luke chapter 6, and look at verse number 27. We're called to show empathy even to our enemies, all right? Look at 27. The Bible says, Jesus speaking here, But I say unto you, which here, love your enemies. Do good to them that hate, which hate you. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. What is, what is, uh, what is Jesus teaching here? He's teaching us, to, teaching us to love your enemies, do good to them that hate you, right? Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that take advantage of you. Uh, he's saying, if someone slaps you on the, on the cheek, right, to embarrass you, not to necessarily wound you, but to embarrass you, just slaps you on the cheek, you're to stand there and take that embarrassment and then turn and offer him the other cheek. Offer him the other cheek. Um, uh, so if someone steals your jacket, another parallel passage talks about someone suing you at the law to take your cloak, give him your coat also, but someone steals your jacket, uh, offer them your coat, Right? So, when kindness is met with contempt, here's how we are to respond. Show kindness again and again and again. You say, well, doesn't that turn me into a doormat? And the answer is, yes. It sure does. It's the Bible way. You know what? In the end, you have to trust the Lord to defend you. You're to show kindness. Again. You're to pour hot coals of fire by being kind. You're to pour hot coals of fire on their head. You say, Pastor Lejeune, do you have this all figured out? No, I don't. No, I don't. But I want to. And I want to become better at this. What is empathy? It is the understanding of someone's emotional hardships and the care that you express to them during their hardship. 
Sometimes people brush off this kindness, this empathy. But sometimes people can be just downright nasty. Right? His empathy. Now let's look at David's embarrassment. His embarrassment. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 10 and look at verse 3. And here we see a parallel between Ammon and Rehoboam. Remember Rehoboam? This would be David's grandson who accepted the counsel of the younger men and then made a rash decision. Here, um, Hanun is going to do the same thing. Look at verse 3. And the princes of the children of Ammon said unto Hanun their lord, Thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father? That he had sent comforters unto thee? <laughs> Look how cynical and skeptical. Hath not David rather sent his servants unto thee to search this city and to spy it out and overthrow it? Wherefore Hanun took David's servants and shaved off the one half of their beards. Picture that. All right? He, he takes and, and they have these full beards. That would have been Jewish culture, really the culture that day. And half of their beard shaved I mean, shaved clean, the other half left there. And then, look at the rest of the verse. It says that, uh, and it shaved off half their beards, and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. Wow. These are David's highest diplomats of the land. This would be like the U.S. putting together our highest governmental federal diplomats and sending them over to a country like England who's just lost their queen in order to comfort them and then having them treated in this manner. That's horrible. Here now they're walking out of the gates of the city with half their beard shaven and their rear ends exposed as they're walking out of the gate. Why did this happen exactly? Turn over to 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel 24. Look at verse number 4. Things have a way of coming around and getting us. And the men of David said unto him, Behold the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy in thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it seemeth good unto thee. Then David arose... And cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. And it came to pass afterwards that David's heart smote him. Because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed. To stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Well, I wonder if David thought back to... That time, he did the exact same thing to Saul. Now, did he cut Saul's robe to a place where the king's rear end would be hanging out in the air? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say that. But he had cut the skirt of the king, and now his own men were getting their skirts, if you will, cut. Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Look, I just want to say this right here. Everybody listen. When something unfortunate happens to you, somebody does something that just seems unjust, your direction, before you retaliate, take a time out, take a step back and say, am I reaping something I sowed in my past? Was I nasty or unkind to someone else and am now seeing that come back on me. 
Again, I want to emphasize the importance of not being reactionary in our relationships, right? Tit for tat, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, right? Life for life. Someone uh, uh, is unkind to me, boy, I'm going to give it back to them. I don't get mad, I get even, right? Uh, I'm going to let them have it. When, listen, when someone says, I don't get mad, I get even, they are getting mad, okay? I don't care what you say. You may be uh, cold-blooded in the way you do it, but there's vengeance there. And that word vengeance comes from the same root word in the, in the Greek as uh, wrath. And so there's wrath behind it all the same. And so we don't want to react. We want to respond and we want to be godly. We should not treat, uh, rather we should not treat others uh, with kindness because they are simply good to us, but rather we should treat everyone with kindness, period. Uh, we should not treat others with people with animosity because they have been unkind to us. We should be kind to everyone because God has so commanded it. Turn over to Matthew chapter 7 and look at verse number 12. Matthew 7 in verse 12, here we see the importance of it. Hey, uh, Matthew, could you run that bottle of water that you got for me earlier up here for me, young man? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Matthew is a servant's heart. Every single service, he brings me a bottle of water of his own doings. And I didn't, never asked him to do that. That's just uh, him being a, a, uh, a kind young man. All right? Even when Dad's shown him contempt in the afternoon, he still gets me a bottle of water and he's kind. Kind in my... Kind to my contempt. Matthew 7. Look at verse 12. Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Tomorrow morning my uh, podcast is going to hit the airwaves. In fact, it's going to hit the airwaves a little earlier than normal tomorrow. We're going to start releasing it uh, around 6 in the morning, and so people that want to listen to it, uh, on the way to work, can do that. But I'm going to talk about recovering. Uh, Pastor King and I are going to talk about recovering from rejection. And in the podcast, I'm going to make the point that a lot of adults act like like children in the nursery. Okay, how many of you here? How many ladies here ever walked, watched the nursery and just chuckled and thought adults are the same way as kids? They're just a little more, you know, civil about it. They're a little bit better at how they hide it, right? Listen, we adults we're selfish. Okay, you ever gotten upset with your spouse because they borrowed your toothpaste and you thought you're squeezing my tube of toothpaste from the wrong end, right? Go get your own toothpaste. Leave my toothpaste alone. You know what? We're being selfish, right? Uh, maybe you have something other that you're particular about, and and don't touch my stuff. That sounds like a little a little child. Well, here we see that uh, uh, we as adults can act like children in this area, right? We become retaliatory. You do this to me, I'm going to do it right back. You hit me, I'm going to hit you right back. You're mean to me, I'm going to be mean right back. You're passive-aggressive my direction, I can be passive-aggressive right back. Uh, you want to call me out in front of people, I'll call you out in front of people. Uh, you want to take some subtle shot at me on social media, I'll take a subtle shot right back. Shots fired. And Listen, we're not to be kind to people who are kind to us. We're to be kind to people regardless of how they treat us. Amen? Amen? We're to be kind all the time. And here uh, we see that David's being kind, and he's getting that kindness rejected. David's kindness rejected. Well, we're going to get to a point in the passage where we're talking about war uh, here next. But I want to tell you that even in this, David did not start this war. Uh, number two, notice David's leaders reliable. David's leaders 
reliable. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 10. Look down at verse number 6. The Bible says, And when the children of Ammon saw that they stank before David. Now, I, I laughed when I read that, and I thought, what does that mean? All right, they stank. They stank. Before. The word stank is just a funny word to me, right? Uh, that sounds like something I said when I lived in the South. That boy stanks, right? Um, uh, stank. And what this means is that the relationship, the international relationship between Israel and Ammon, it soured real fast. Look here. Stank before David. The children of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of Bethrehob and the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 footmen, and of King Mecha, 1,000 men, and of Ishbosh, uh, 12,000 men. That's 33,000 soldiers they hired to come and help them fight the Israelites. The reality is that what Ammon had done to David's men equated to an act of war. You can't take the top diplomats of a country and treat them with such shame and not be provoking war. Uh, they had taken David's men and had embarrassed them in such a way they were inviting a war with the Israelites. So the Ammonites, uh, they could see relationships going south. They could see the relationship souring. And so they became proactive and they said, hey, we're not going to just sit here and take it from Israel. They go out and hire a Syrian army and proactively declare war on David. So now watch this. David sends in some servants to comfort and show kindness. Uh, his men are treated in a way that's horrible. David does nothing in response, and they go hire 33,000 men and then come in and declare war. Wow, that escalated fast. Letter A, speaking of David's uh, leaders being reliable, notice their fortitude. Their fortitude. Hey, David had some manly men on his team, in his uh, army. Look at chapter 10 and look at verse number 7. The Bible says, And when David heard it, he sent Joab and all the hosts of the mighty men. That's the special forces. And the children of Ammon came out and put the battle in array at the entering end of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah and of Rehob and Ishtab and Mecha were by themselves in the field. So when Joab saw them in the front of the battle, uh, saw rather that the front of the battle was against him before and behind, he chose of all the choice men of Israel and put them array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he delivered into the hand of Abishai, his brother, that he might put them in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, If the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will come and help thee. So Joab's brother Abishai is one of my favorite characters in the life of David. You remember the second time that Saul was asleep under a deep sleep and David slipped down uh, amongst uh, the soldiers and he had the spear in the ground and he had the chance to kill Saul there. The man that went down with him was Abishai. Same Abishai, all right? And so Abishai, uh, uh, Joab's uh, Joab is related to David as well, but uh, Joab's brother, you got Joab and Abishai, they're there. They're surrounded by an army. Take your Bibles over to 2 Corinthians 16. They're surrounded by two armies. They've got the Ammonites, and then they have uh, the Syrians and all the other soldiers. So you got the 33,000 soldiers on this side, and then you got the Ammonite soldiers on this side, and the Israeli army is surrounded, and Abishai and Joab have a conversation, and Joab is the general. He says to Abishai, 
He says, you go over there and fight the Ammonites. I'm going to come over here and I'm going to fight the Syrians. And I'll tell you what, if you end up needing help, we'll turn around and help you. And if I need help, you turn around and help me. And they said, uh, let's do this thing. These were manly men who were not afraid of war. Uh, they did not provoke the war. Uh, they were kind. Uh, they did not retaliate when their kindness was met with contempt. But all the same, here they find themselves surrounded by an army, bloodthirsty soldiers looking to kill them. And David's men stand up with a backbone and said, uh, we didn't ask for this fight, but we're not backing away from it either. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. The Bible says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Now that word quit means equip. I was listening to a podcast someone sent me a while back out of this passage, and they said that a lot of folks... A lot of uh, folks who read the King James Bible might think that word quit means to give up. And he said that word describes the way a lot of men are behaving in the 21st century. They have quit. They've just quit. They've given up. There's no commitment there. They don't know how to hold to and be real men. But that's not what that word means there. That word quit means equip yourselves. That means man up, right? That means uh, 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 tighten down and, and check, your, uh, check your armor and, 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 and check the magazine uh, clipped into your gun there and get ready to go to war against the enemy. We need men who will stand up against sin and Satan and say, I didn't ask for this fight, but I'm sure not backing down from it either. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and look at verse 26. Someone says, oh, I love a Bible that's all about love and, and joy and peace peace and listen to kindness and we should all get along and I'm all for that. I've talked about that tonight. I think you should be kind and caring, but when push comes to shove and your own personal autonomy is at risk, boy, it's time to stand up. I don't see that happening to us, but listen further than that. Uh, when Satan comes bearing down on you and your family and he's looking to attack, you can't compromise anymore. It's time to stand up and the Bible word is Fight. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, 26. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty. Paul says, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I love that phrase. Not as one that beateth the air. Well, you get the image of a boxer who's shadow boxing, right? He's, he's practicing. He's practicing the jab and, and the left hook and, and the uppercut. And he's, he's swinging at the air, hitting an imaginary opponent. Paul said, listen, I'm fighting, but I'm not fighting an imaginary opponent. He said, I'm fighting a real opponent called the devil. And he says, I'm not backing down. I'm a man. I'm going to stand up and fight. Turn over to 1 Timothy 6. Let's look at a couple more passages here. I want you to see uh, right here in Scripture. 1 Timothy 6, look at verse number 12. Paul tells Timothy, you're going to get in... You're going to get in the, the, the ring and you're going to fight against the devil. You're going to get on the battlefield and fight in the Lord's army. Boy, you're, you can't be a wimp. You can't be a pushover. If I could use a more base word, you can't be a wuss. You've got to stand up and you've got to be a man. Look at 1 Timothy 6.12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And then Paul would say at the very end of his life in 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept 
the faith. And so these men who are boxed in on both sides by two different armies, one that was rented and then one uh, that was the Ammonites who had the beef with them, uh, they're bearing down and fighting them and they did not bring this upon them. They did not ask for the fight, but they were men and they were going to stand up and they were going to fight. And I just want to say before we move on to the next point here that we need men who will stand up and say there's an assault going on in this world today, an assault against our church, assault against our morals, assault against our Christian values, an assault against our home, and I will be diligent, I will stand up, I will fight, and I am not going to let the devil take down uh, what is good and right about my home and my church and my country. We need men who will say, I'm not going to be a pushover and a pacifist. Men who know how to fight the devil. Men who know how to, listen, be kind toward others, but when it comes to sin, uh, draw a line in the sand and say, we're not going across that line. We're going to fight. I I will say furthermore here, the reason why these men uh, were so valiant and why these men were so strong and why these men were so special is because they were following a leader in David who was ever bit as special. And David set the tone and these men came in and said, we want to follow that guy right there because that guy right there is a man's man. We need more men in this world who will stand up and be a man's man. I'm not saying uh, that you can't have a soft side to you and a caring heart about you and be a generous soul. I'm not saying you've got to walk around and act crass and gross and, and, and talk in a way that's off color. No, Christian men, they know how to treat a woman. Christian men, they have manners. Christian men have some polish on them. Christian men uh, know how to handle themselves in public and in private. Christian men uh, have a temperate spirit and don't fly off the handle and yell and scream and holler and act out in an angry way. Christian men have the Holy Spirit of God in control, and they're submissive to the Spirit of God. But Christian men also know how to say, I'm going to lead the way, and I'm going to have other folks who are under my purview and under my care follow me because I am a man, and I am worthy of being followed. These men had a real man as their leader, and as a result, they had a backbone, and they know they knew how to stand and fight. Their fortitude, but notice the formula here is not just by fighting. Uh, letter B, notice their faith. Their faith. David's re- leaders, reliable, reliable leaders. David had men who weren't just saying, "Hey, look at me. Look how strong I am, and look how uh, equipped I am for war." No, we also know the battle belongs to the Lord. Look at verse twelve. Joab says to Abishai, be of good courage, and let us play the men for our people, and for the cities of our God, and the Lord do that which seemeth him good. We're going to do all we can, and we're going to leave the results up to the Lord. Turn over to Ephesians 6, a familiar passage tonight, Ephesians 6 and verse number 10. We're going to look at a handful of verses here. We won't stay here long, but just turn over there with me, Ephesians 6, and look at verse 10. There is no denying that we are in a spiritual war that is hot. This is a hot war going on today. Unless you have your head buried in the sand and you are completely ignoring the culture around us, we cannot deny that Satan is just having a feast on our Western culture and that uh, uh, Christians, uh, we are losing the battle here at home in our country. Sin has never been more overt. Sin has never been more celebrated. Sin has never 
been more flaunted. I sat and watched some football with my son today and was just again to be amazed at how open Satan is about the occult and sin just being flaunted and pushed right in our face. The uh, sitcoms that are on TVs today uh, make uh, uh, don't even try as much to hide it anymore. It's just right out there in the front. And Christians, we can't just take a back seat and just say, I'm going to forget about the war. No, God calls us to be of good courage. He calls us to fight the good fight, but then also to trust in Him because ultimately the fight belongs to the Lord. Look at verse 10. The Bible says, Ephesians 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. That means you are prepared. And in the power of His might, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Now, without cheating, without reading ahead, which of the pieces of armor does Scripture say is the most important piece? Look down at verse 16. We're told the most important piece of armor in verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Hey, listen, if you forget to put your breastplate on one day, but you have that shield up, you're protected. And this isn't some rinky-dink shield, okay? This is a full-body shield that you can hide behind. And that shield is faith. I'm not trying to minimize the other uh, parts of the armor of God. You need your gospel shoes on. You need uh, your loin uh, belt of truth. Uh, you need the sword of the Spirit. You need the helmet of salvation. All of those are important. But listen, your faith matters greatly. Your faith matters greatly. We've been talking about Sunday mornings walking with God. And each day you get up and you read your Bible and you pray, you're putting on, you're picking up rather, the shield of faith. And when you go to war, great things can happen. Now, uh, listen, focusing on the fortitude without the faith is a mistake. Focusing on the faith without the fortitude is a mistake. Watch this. We need men and women of God who have a backbone and know how to stand for what's right and are doing their part to be ready and trained and equipped and, 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 and memorizing the Bible and, and growing in the Lord and going through the church's discipleship program and participating on Saturday morning with the Great Commission. And yes, we need to emphasize the part we do, but you cannot forget the part that God does. We pray like it all depends depends on God, and we work like it all depends on us. And when you put fortitude and faith together, you get something beautiful. Look at letter C. We see their feet, or their accomplishment, their feet. Look at verse F-E-A-T. Amen? Not F-E-E-T. We're not... I hate... Uh, yeah, I, I don't like the, the other, the, the ones that are attached that you walk on. Amen? Their feet, their accomplishments. Look at back at Second Samuel 10, and look at verse 13. The Bible says, And Joab drew nigh... And the people that were with him unto the battle against the Syrians. They're fighting two armies at the same time. And they fled before him. So Joab takes these 33,000 soldiers and sends them in retreat. They're running. And when the children of Ammon 
I just see the immaturity of the Ammonites all throughout this chapter. The children of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fled. Then fled they also before Abishai and entered into the city. So they run in behind their walls and hide because they're all very scared. So Joab returned from the children of Ammon and came to Jerusalem. So when we mix fortitude with faith, then we overcome the devil and the evil that faces our lives. I want to say tonight that uh, Satan, if you focus, hyper-focus on Satan, you hyper-focus on his kingdom, you hyper-focus on the darkness and the occult and all the things that go along with that, that is a very scary thing to look at. Uh, We've all heard stories about people who are tied up in the occult and weird and crazy things happen to them. And you know what? If you listen to me of those stories, you can begin as a Christian to become spooked. How many know what I'm talking about tonight? You listen too much of that stuff. Can I just say, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? Uh, That God does not want us to focus on uh, the frail enemy of Satan. He wants to focus on him. And listen, I'm not saying that when Satan gets a grip on someone, we shouldn't be concerned. But the answer is very simple. We pick up the light of the Word of God and the truth, and we shine it right at the evil, and Satan tucks his uh, tail between his legs, and he just runs away. Turn over to 1 John chapter 5. This is what happens when we mix fortitude with faith. When we mix fortitude with faith, we overcome the devil and the evil that faces our lives. Uh, Incredible forces of evil can be beaten and sent into retreat when we learn how to take a stand for what is right and do so with a heart and spirit of faith. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 4. By the way, those of you who are ever trying to debate someone who believes in works salvation, this is a great verse. Uh, For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. Look here. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Uh, people say you've got to work your way to heaven. You have to be an overcomer. Yeah, but how do you get the title of overcomer? Not by doing anything, but by believing. It's by faith. And you know what? When I walk with God, and I take a stand for what's right, and do so with the right Christian disposition, and I, I do so in a way that's kind uh, but firm, and I do so by faith, my friend, we over come the world. So we see David's kindness rejected. We see number two, David's leaders reliable. Let's finish out the sermon number three and notice David's strength realized. David's strength realized. So, uh, well, let's get into the A and B and then I'll lay out the story for us here. Letter A, Syria's ego. Syria's ego. Now, can I just say Syria had no real skin in the game? Okay. The Ammonites went and paid them some money and hired their army, right, to come in and fight against the Israelites. But there was no, this was not a, a hot war for Syria. This was, if you will, a cold war. They were just doing it because they were getting money, right? Uh, and so they come in and uh, they, they go toe-to-toe with the Israelites and uh, they got run off, as we just read, and uh, they got their feelings hurt. So Syria decides to regroup and come right back at Israel, but now they're, now they're angry, right? The nest has been stirred. Look at verse 15, 2 Samuel chapter 10. Look at verse 15. And when the Syrians saw that they were smitten before Israel, they gathered themselves together. And Hadarezer sent and brought out the Syrians that were before the river, and they came to Helam. 
And Shobach, the captain of the host of Hadarezer, was before them. Now see how things go? See how things grow, rather? David does an act of kindness to Amnon. Amnon retaliates with contempt. David does little to nothing in response. Ammon hires the Syrians to attack Israel. Uh, Israel wins the battle and just simply defends themselves. And now Syria wants to go to all-out war with Israel. Wow! How does this happen? How did Syria uh, 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 get drug into this to begin with? Have you ever been attacked like this? You're doing something nice for someone? And it's misunderstood. And then now the person who misunderstands it goes and recruits people around them to help have them feel bad for them. And now you have a group of people coming at you, attacking you. And now you have people who are angry at you, who you had nothing to do with to begin with. And you go, all I was trying to do is be nice. And here we are. How does this happen? Pride and egos can get in the way and things can get ugly. And you know what, Christian? If this has happened to you, then you may sit back and go, you know what? I'm I'm just done being nice. I'm done being Mr. Nice Guy. Here I am being nice to people and I've made all these enemies, all these enemies, because I've been nice. If this is what I get for being nice, then I'm not being nice to anyone ever again. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. And I just want to say, Christian... Don't quit too early, because the story is about to turn in David's favor. Syria's ego. Now he's got to go fight the Syrians when he had nothing to do with the Syrians at the beginning of the story. Letter B, we see the kingdom expanded. The kingdom expanded. Look at verse 17, and look how this plays out, all right? And this is going to have a beautiful ending. And when it was told David, he gathered all Israel together and passed over Jordan and came to Helam. So, in the initial battle, David sends Joab and Abishai out. Now David leaves the palace, and he comes down, and now David is the general. King David is the general, right? So he's going to go out and fight the Syrians this time, because the Syrians think they can go toe-to-toe with David and his men. And the Syrians set themselves in array against David and fought with him. And the Syrians fled before Israel. And David slew the men of 700 chariots of the Syrians, and 40 thousand horsemen and smote Shobak, the captain of their host, who died there. And when all the kings that were servants to Hadarezer saw that they were smitten before Israel, they made peace with Israel and served them. So the Syrians feared to help the children of Ammon any more. So this alliance has been uh, ended. There's no more helping Ammon. Ammon's now by themselves. By the way, next week when we get into David's affair, David stays home when they go back out to war with the Ammonites that the Ammonites provoked. And uh, this is when he gets, where he gets in trouble with Bathsheba. But here he goes out and he fights Syria and God gives him a great victory. And all of the kingdoms that were subservient to Syria are now subservient to David. And you know what that means? That means all these countries are paying tributes to Israel. You know what David did with the money that he got from the tributes from these countries? He put them away so the money would be there to build the temple of God. You see now how this has come full circle? David's kindness 
mis- misunderstood, misinterpreted. War ends up breaking out. David had nothing to do with it. David simply defends himself. Another army gets involved. David wins the war against them. And now the money is flowing into Jerusalem so the Lord's temple could be built. God took evil against His people and used it for their own good and His own good. When other people misinterpret your kindness, listen, stay tender. Stay tender. Don't develop a hard heart. Don't say, you know what, if that's how people are going to treat me, then I'm done. I'm not doing that anymore. No. You continue to do right and be right with others. If people put your life in danger, defend yourself. But never, ever lose faith in God. Because God knows how to take other people's mistreatment of you and turn it around and help make you a better person. I'll just finish with this. There have been a handful of times in my life where I have really been left with a bitter taste in my mouth over the way I have been treated. I've been ousted from things. I've been pushed to the side. I've been misunderstood. And I've gone to get counsel at times when this has happened. And uh, many years ago, Janet King, uh, uh, Curtis King, my friend in Niagara Falls, New York, Janet King's wife, I'll never forget, she said to me, she said, Richard, no matter what anybody does to you, God will do better to you. Uh, he'll give you better than you were originally going to get. He'll give you better than you were originally going to get. Someone robs you of a blessing, God's going to give you a, a, a bigger blessing. But you have to stay faithful. You have to stay faithful. Don't, don't close up your heart and say, well, I've been hurt by others. I'm going to stop being kind. No, no, no. Open up your heart wider and love deeper because you're going to have people hurt you. But at the end of the day, you are not held responsible for their contempt. contempt. You are only held responsible for your own kindness and whether or not you continue to give it out. God holds you to a standard, Christian, of loving your enemies the way he loved his. Let's not flub that standard. Let's not fail the Lord. Let's follow David's example and watch how God blesses us. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this evening. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, I pray tonight that you'd help us to reevaluate our treatment of other people. We, we, Lord, need to be kind no matter how people treat us. And so God, lead us, guide us. Somebody here this evening possibly has shut off the the kindness spigot. They're reserved. They keep to themselves. They're not loving to others as they ought to be because of a past hurt. They're afraid of being hurt again. Instead of doing unto others as they would be done, have done to them, Lord, they do unto others as is done to them. And God, help us not to be reactionary in our relationships. Help us to respond with grace. And understand that when people are nasty our way, they're probably broken inside. And they need us to love them in response. Lord, help each of us to take a look at our relationships tonight. Lord, help each of us to tear off the, the, uh, the, the callous of a hard heart. and Let the, the love and, and grace uh, that you've so given to us and continue to do so flow freely through us onto others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.